Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're honestly so excited to be continuing in this series today. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us from TCI online, all the different ways. Maybe you're listening in the archives on the podcast later. We're jumping in to this series that we're in week three of, and, and really here is the crux of the series. We're talking about words and how they shape our world. God, he formed creation and he could have done it in any way he chose, but he chose to do it through words. And so our words, they're a weapon. Our words shape the reality of the world around us. And today I'm going to talk appropriately about words of gratitude, words of thanksgiving. Now, if you've been in church as long as I have, here's the risk we run. This is something we have to be aware of. We have probably heard at this point hundreds of messages on thanksgiving and gratitude. It's kind of just the thing we do this time of year, right? We're gonna go hang out with our family and we're gonna sit around a big dining room table and we're gonna eat way too much turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie and we'll probably say a few things that we're thankful for and if we're not careful, we'll pass right on through the rest of the year and before we know it, it'll be Thanksgiving 2023 and we'll be back at the same spot having missed out on the miracle of gratitude and Thanksgiving. I can even do this as a pastor. Oh, it's that time of year again. It's time to give the obligatory gratitude message, the obligatory Thanksgiving message. And as I was preparing for this message over the last month, I just really prayed this, this kind of dangerous prayer. I just said, God, would you help me to see Thanksgiving in a whole new light? I just want to dig a little deeper. I want this to get deep down in my soul and in our soul as a church family and community. And you know what's so interesting? As I started walking through this journey, I discovered something. And it's probably been hidden in plain sight my whole life. But I don't just think Thanksgiving is a thing. I think Thanksgiving quite possibly might be the thing in a healthy relationship with God. In a thriving relationship with God, thank you, is such a big deal. Actually, there are over 400 passages that mention Thanksgiving or gratitude in the Bible. And get this, it's so important that Psalm 100, which is labeled a psalm for giving grateful praise, it tells us this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In other words, gratitude is such a big deal that God says, I want thank you to be the first thing that I hear when you come into my presence. I care about your needs and I wanna hear about your problems. Those matter to me. But before you bring me your needs and before you bring me the dilemmas of the day and before you even pray for other people, I want you to bring me a thank you first. I want you to bring me gratitude. And it's interesting because as somebody that's raised kids, I was thinking back to when my kids were toddlers, parents, grandparents, you can relate to this. One of the first things we teach our kids to say is, thank you. It's one of the first things we learn to say, but if you're anything like me, just confession in God's house, it's one of the first things I forget to say. I actually, about five years ago, Aaron and I were celebrating our 10th anniversary. So if you're good at math, we're about to celebrate our 15th anniversary. Can you just give it up with her for uh, putting up with me for that long? But, but at our 10-year anniversary, we got out like this wedding box and we had all of our memories and we were looking through it. And, you know, we had like our wedding favors and invitations. And we had that knife that you use to cut the cake that you'll never use again a day in your life. All the things and I discovered something that kind of made me break into a cold sweat. I found this big bag of unwritten thank you cards in a list with about half the names crossed out. 
And I started to panic because I realized the 10 years ago self totally forgot to thank like half of the people that were at my wedding. Now, to my credit, there were hundreds of people at my wedding, but I think part of the reason that I'm here at BC Warren today is to issue a public apology for anybody that was at my wedding that didn't get a thank you card. Does the statue of limitations wear off at this point? I don't know how that works, but, but it's interesting because it's one of the first things we learn to say, but it's also one of the very first things we forget to say. It reminds me of this story of Jesus in the 10 lepers. Let's read this together. This is Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men, all lepers, met him and they kept their distance, but they raised their voices calling out, Jesus, master, have mercy on me. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard of lepers before. One of the things that's interesting is that in the Bible, when they refer to leprosy, it could actually apply to a myriad of skin conditions because obviously medical advancements weren't what they are today. And so if anybody had any type of untreatable skin condition, it could actually be labeled as leprosy in the Bible. And so if you read through Levitical law, they would be told you have to go to the outskirts of the camp and they lived in these colonies so that they wouldn't infect other people. But then every now and then there was a true case of leprosy. And this was the most stigmatized thing that you could deal with in that culture of that day. And, and it's a sad condition because leprosy is this thing that it eats away at your flesh and, and it starts to attack your appendages slowly over time. And so after you've had it for a little while, one day your, your finger might just fall off and, and it might even affect your, your face. Your nose at some point might fall off. And so it was very easy to spot somebody that had leprosy because they looked different. But then think about this. Over time, if it was attacking your extremities and your toes eventually fell off, not only would you look different, but then you would kind of walk different. It maimed you and everyone in society, everyone in culture could know this is somebody that has leprosy. Now, I just learned this over the last couple of weeks. One of the final stages of leprosy, one of the final things that it affects is your voice. And it begins to attack even your vocal cords. So I want you to imagine as these people, these lepers are calling out to Jesus, Jesus, master, have mercy on me. They would have even been marked by the way that they sounded. They looked different. They walked different. They even talked different. And this is the backstory. This is the context where we pick up next. Look at what happens next in the story. Verse 14, taking a good look at them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Now time out. I love that statement, taking a good look at them because this is our savior. And, and typically the people that we are least likely to associate with and the people that we say they're on the outside looking in, those are the very people that Jesus comes after. Those are the people that Jesus makes a beeline to. And maybe you're watching today and you're like, Joe, I could never set foot in a church. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Can I just tell you, you're exactly who Jesus came to save. You're exactly who Jesus comes to love. When they would walk through society, they actually were told, I have to shout this to anybody that's coming close, unclean, don't come near me. I'm an outcast, I'm an outsider. And so this is who Jesus is talking to. He takes a good long look at them with compassion and they went and while still on their way, they became clean. And one of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, listen to this, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. 
So now, knowing what we know about leprosy, I want you to think about this. In the moment of this miracle, maybe some toes began to form on his feet. And then he could start to run a little bit different. He, he looked different on the outside because maybe some of his face was restored and his flesh was restored to its original condition. But here's the coolest thing. As he is shouting thanks to God, he even sounded different as God restored him in his vocal cords. And so this is interesting. This is where we're getting with this passage. He kneeled at Jesus' feet. I love how it writes this. So grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. Now, they put this here for a reason because really what it means is there's two strikes against him. He's a leper, but then even worse, he's a Samaritan. Like he was the lowest rung of the religious ladder in that culture, and Jews would not have associated with a Samaritan. And then it says this, they went and while still on their way, they became clean. He shouted his gratitude. He couldn't thank him enough. Verse 17, Jesus said, we're not 10 healed. Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? And then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. I love this story. Now, I always think to myself like, man, how could you forget to thank God for anything, let alone leprosy? Like, come on. But before we jump to judgment, I really feel as I was reading this passage, Jesus was just shouting loud and clear to me, Joe, that's you. Because every one of us had a condition in our flesh that was eating away at us. Every one of us had pieces of our life that were broken and falling apart before Jesus. And thank you is the first thing we learn to say, but it is so easy to forget to say thank you. Actually, one of, the, one of the things that I've noticed about myself is I have this propensity to forget what God's done for me. I'll give you a practical example. Uh, usually when I'm merging onto a busy highway, that's one of the most stressful things that can happen, right? You ever been like heading into a big city and there's just miles and miles of traffic? You look on your Maps app and it's just a red line as far as you can scroll. And what do we have to do in that moment? We try everything, right? We lift up prayers to God. We say all the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We're just trying everything we can, throwing it against the wall, hoping it'll stick. And really what you're relying on is the kindness of a complete stranger, right? And it's so funny. I'm just being honest in church. It is so funny because eventually somebody out of the kindness of their heart will let me get in front of them. And it is, it is so embarrassing how quickly I forget the lane that I used to be in. Because inevitably, just like 30 seconds later, somebody else is gonna drive along and they try to edge in right in front of me. And, and wouldn't you know it, just being honest, I look at them like, what are you doing, peasant? You can get in front of the person behind me, you know? Just being honest in God's house. But we tend to look at the lane we've been delivered from and we forget what God did in our life and where we used to be. And I just pray that today we would shift to a posture and a position of thankfulness. And if you can remember one thing today, might be something worth writing down. Here's what I want you to remember. Thank you changes things. Thank you changes things. There's power in gratitude. There's power in a thank you. And in case you're wondering, does thankfulness really make that big of a difference? I have a list that was compiled by Pastor Rick Warren and it's really incredible. I'm just gonna list real quickly some of the blessings and benefits of gratitude. Some of the blessings and benefits of gratitude. Here's the first one. It improves your brain and physical health. If you ever wanna do some cool research, just Google that. How does thankfulness improve my health? There's some real links there. How about this? It improves happiness. You wanna be happy, be grateful. Gratitude improves sleep patterns. 
Could anybody use some more sleep, some better sleep in the house of God? I think all of us could, right? And, and this is interesting. It is the antidote to a toxic emotion. It defeats worry, depression, anger, and fear. I like to say it this way. It's really hard to be grateful and grumpy at the same time. It just is, right? Try it sometime. When I'm thankful, it's really easy to be joyful, to be hopeful, to be peaceful. When I'm thankful, it's really hard to be resentful and pitiful and sorrowful and discontent. Why? Because thank you changes things. It improves your relationships. You wanna have better relationships with your coworkers, with your family? Be thankful. Have a heart of gratitude. It opens the door to people and other opportunities. And this might be my favorite. The evidence of spiritual maturity is thankfulness. This is what Colossians chapter two, verse seven says. It says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built up on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So in other words, if I wanna know if I'm growing spiritually, I don't have to look any further than gratitude. That is the defining characteristic of somebody that's following Jesus and growing in the journey of maturity is, am I grateful? Is there thankfulness overflowing out of my heart and out of my life? And so for the next few minutes, I just wanna give you four things that we need to know as we grow in our gratitude. And I've said this to every service and I'm gonna say it to you. Uh, I'm gonna encourage you, if you can resist the temptation to look on social media while you do it, why don't you pull out your phone and get up the notes app or get an old fashioned piece of paper or write it on your neighbor's arm. I don't care, but find something that you can write down. And I can promise you all four of these things won't stand out to you, but I bet one of them will. And then what I would love to do is as we walk through this week of Thanksgiving, can we just be meditating on this? And I think the message is gonna continue long after I say amen at the end of the service. All right, here's number one. This is big. Gratitude is all about perspective. Gratitude is all about perspective. In other words, thankfulness has everything to do with how I think. I'm gonna give another confession in God's house today. A couple years ago, I was just having a bad day. Any of y'all ever have a bad day? Or are y'all way holier than me? Okay. I was having one of those bad days. And just to be honest, I was coming to God and I was definitely not grateful. I was more grumpy that day than I was grateful. And one of the reasons was that I was looking around my life and all I could see were all of these fires that I was trying to put out. Can you relate to this? Like, as soon as I'd put a fire out over here, it's like another one popped up over there. Felt like whack-a-mole. And I just kept coming to God with my frustrations and pointing out all the problems. And, and I can't say that God audibly spoke to me, but this is how God speaks to me. I just clearly knew it was him and it cut through all the noise of my complaining. And you know what he said? He said, Joe, you prayed for these problems. You prayed for these problems. Now let me unpack this a little bit and I'm gonna try to make it as specific as I can. And I think it's gonna help you. Parents, have you ever complained about the crying baby and lack of sleep? only to be gently reminded by God that you lost sleep for years as you laid awake begging God for that baby in the next room, you prayed for these problems. How about this? We get frustrated with the relationships in our life and difficult people, and we forget the countless nights that we prayed for God to bless us with a friend to fight with. We prayed for these problems, right? That spouse who leaves the toilet seat up, who won't put his clothes in the hamper, who nags us, we prayed for that problem. Some of y'all are sitting next to your problem right now. We prayed for these problems. 
Sometimes people ask me if it's tough being a pastor because you're constantly hearing people's problems all the time and, and it seems like the work is never done. But I can honestly say this, God has shifted my perspective over the years and I can genuinely say this, that I prayed for the privilege of helping people with their problems. It's a perspective thing. This is what Proverbs chapter 14, verse four says. It says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Did Pastor Joe just call me an ox? Anyways, it's perspective. No, but here's what I mean. I wrote it this way. Proverbs 14 is saying this, without a baby, the crib is clean, but your heart is empty. And there's no, there's no poopy diapers, but there's also no baby giggles. There's also no milestones that we get to celebrate as a parent, we prayed for these problems. And, and what if we could shift our hearts and our attitudes to a posture of thankfulness and, and just watch God do something as we realize and recognize that thank you changes things. You know, I haven't been here the whole time this church has existed, but I was born into this church. And for long as I can, can remember, I just remember my parents saying, we moved back here before Believer's Church ever existed. And we knew in our heart, God told us to come plant a church in Pastor Joe's hometown, that my dad was 24, my mom was 20. I mean, it was, it's just crazy to think what God has done, but they couldn't see your faces yet, but they saw your faces. And every time a problem pops up and every time we have an issue and every time, you know, the air conditioning unit breaks and it costs us $50,000, every time there's this issue that pops up and it's always a new one, can I just tell you something? Our family has learned to thank God and praise him for the privilege to deal with these problems. Yeah, we can give it up for God. I mean, this is, this is what God is asking. Can we change our perspective? Thank you changes things. And sometimes the thing that it's changing isn't your circumstance, it's you. And this is what I believe God is wanting to do. Speaking of perspective, here's number two. Gratitude knows this, more won't make me happy. Gratitude knows more won't make me happy. I call it the myth of more. In America loves this idea. We really believe that if I could have more things, more money, more followers, more cars, more vacation time, more hair, whatever it is, if I could have more, then more would make me happy. These are some interesting statistics and they're about the Western mindset. And I want you to see the long-term effects of a country and a worldview that says the only pursuit in my life is more. There are 300,000 items in the average American home. I can't even wrap my mind around that, but that's what they say. British research found that the average 10-year-old, this is funny, owns 238 toys, but plays with just 12 daily. As a parent, I can just tell you that checks out. That sounds about right. Women will spend more, this is funny, women will spend more than eight years of their lives shopping. And that's just the target. Just, just kidding. I just had to say, it was the low-hanging fruit. 3.1% of the world's children live in America, but get this, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. And the average American is giving less than 3% of their income to help others. Now, I want you to put a pin in that and, and think about this. All of those things considered, America and the Western world, we lead the way in anxiety and depression. One of the highest numbers on the chart, Americans. So could it be that our contentment does not come from more? because more is a never ending pursuit. And here's the thing about more, the more we have, the more we need. And every time we get more, then the next time we need more to get the same hit. And Jesus gave us the antidote for this. 
Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, hey, I've come to give you life and I've come to give it to you more abundantly. In other words, your contentment is not connected to what you have, it's connected to who you have. And if I have Jesus and Jesus is truly everything, then I have everything that I need. Thank you changes things. And it's recognizing that more won't make me happy. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.11. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, we live in the country that likes to use this verse to help us win more basketball games, to help us get the promotion at work. But can I point out that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? The original context for that is contentment. Isn't that interesting that we pass over that as Americans? And by the way, I think we can apply it in other areas of our life, but I think we'd be greatly missing out if we don't apply it to this particular subject. And you wanna talk about more, what does the Bible say? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I wanna make this point, God's not mad when you have more. He's not, he just doesn't want more to have you. Actually, here's the way that I like to put it. When we get more, can we do more with our more? Robert Morris calls it the blessed test. When I receive, can I, can I obey God in what he's blessed me with? And can I be an open flow? Can, can he trust me as a, as a current, as a stream to work through? But it's, it's just how I see the more in my life. First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's number three. This is a big one. Gratitude is greater than circumstance. It's got to transcend the trials that I'm going through. It's bigger than the situation that's waiting for me as I walk out the door today. Gratitude is greater than circumstance. This is why Jonah could thank God in the middle of being in the belly of a whale. This is why Paul could say thank you and praise God in a prison. This is why Paul could thank God when he was being shipwrecked twice because gratitude is greater than circumstance. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says it this way, always be joyful. Like, like you mean when I get the green light on Route 46 and the cars part like the Red Sea? Well, that's awesome, but like, can we be grateful when things aren't going our way? When the prayer doesn't come and the answer doesn't come on our timeline, can we be grateful in those moments? Because gratitude has to be greater than our circumstance. Verse 17, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now we just read Philippians 4.11 in the last section, but let's reread it with circumstance in mind. This is interesting. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Gratitude is greater than circumstance. Here's the fourth and final one. This is a big one. I love this. Gratitude invites the miraculous. Gratitude, it's the breeding ground for God doing something great. 
I don't know if you've ever had someone come up to you and they ask you a question and you can kind of tell they already know the answer to their question. Jesus would do this all the time. That's actually what we're about to read. He's gonna ask a question and he already knows the answer. And I have to say, it would have been so cool to be a disciple of Jesus, but I would have been so nervous. Every time he asked me a question, I'd be like, yes, no, yes, no, no, yes. You just constantly be second guessing yourself, right? This is John chapter six, verse five. Let's see how Philip responds. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? This is funny. And he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was gonna do. And so here's what we can conclude from, from this statement, that Jesus, he didn't ask Philip for his health. He didn't ask him because he needed new information. He asked Philip because he wanted to teach his disciples then and now something really important. And so we're in this moment where they have a really big need. There's tons of people that need to eat bread. And I want, I want us to look at kind of how God makes the miracle happen and how he, he even just teaches us. He gives us a template for how we can bring our need to our Father in heaven. Let's read this together. John 6, 11. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same thing with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, this is interesting. I wanna take a look, not at what Jesus did, but what he didn't do, because this is important. Would we all agree that if Jesus wanted to, he's Jesus, he could have taught us, uh, God, here's, here's my need. But he didn't come to God with his need. Actually, he had the bread that he had already been given in hand, and he thanked him for that. In other words, before he even talked to God about what he needed to be provided for in the future, he thanked God for what he had already provided for him in the present. And how would that change things if we just started to approach God, not based on our need, but based on what he's already done in our life? Man, what a beautiful habit. I mean, think about what that would look like. Can I, can I just, another confession in God's house. This is typically how my prayers to God when I'm not having you know, my best day, when I'm not living my best life, this is how a prayer to God looks. God, bread, I need bread. I got a really big need for bread. God, can you make some bread happen? And I wanna say this, God cares about your need. What does he teach us to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. So he invites us every day to pray for bread. But there's something that gets activated on the inside of our heart and our spirit when we say, God, I do need a lot of bread. There's a really big need in front of me, but I'm just gonna take a second first and I'm gonna thank you for your track record. I'm gonna thank you that I can trust your track record because you've been faithful before and you're gonna be faithful today and you'll be faithful in the future. Thank you changes things. And so before he asked for bread, before he said, God, I need the rent, I need the job, I need the healing, he modeled for us, just thank God for what he's already done. Thank him for how he's already provided for us. And thank you changes things. You know what else I love about this miracle? This is interesting. There is no clear indicator of when it happened. Let's just go back to the scripture for just a second. Then Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks to God, and he distributed them to the people. Now, if I were John and I was giving this gospel account, I would have added a little section here. Then Jesus took the loaves. I would have said he gave thanks to God, and then they multiplied into thousands of loaves. Then he distributed them. But I think God's almost trying to just show us that there's a blurred line between our thankfulness and the miracle. 
It's almost as if as soon as Jesus said, thank you for what I do have, God, he sprang into action and provided what he didn't have. I, I don't have any evidence to tell me if this is true, but I think we could even hypothesize that Jesus wasn't just thanking him for what he had already. Maybe he was thanking him ahead of time for what he was about to do. And can I just challenge us as a church, as we're heading into this week of Thanksgiving, as we're staring some pretty big problems in the face, as inflation is mocking us every time we pump our car and we have to spend $300 at the gas tank, whatever it might be, can I just encourage us to thank God ahead of time that he's already working, that he's already moving on our behalf because thank you, it changes things. So here's what we're gonna do in just a moment. We've done this in every service and it's just been such a beautiful thing at both campuses. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to take some time and think about what you're thankful for and write it down. And so if you want, you can start looking for something to write with, grab your notes app, grab an envelope, whatever it might be. But before we do that, I just wanna give you some thankful material. All right, so I recognize that some of us, we're going through a difficult time right now. There are definitely moments when the miracle happens, but then there are moments when we're standing there in faith and we're wondering why hasn't the prayer been answered? Why did they get their prayer answered and mine hasn't been answered? Why am I going through this storm? Why am I in the valley of the shadow of death? And there's something about saying thank you in those moments that changes everything. And so if you don't have any reason to be thankful today, can I give you a few reminders? These are straight from the Psalms. And man, if you ever wanna watch somebody that had some bad days and watch him turn his problems into praise, it's David, it's the Psalmist. So here's some things to be thankful for. One, Psalm 139, you created and formed me in my mother's womb, so I thank you because I'm wonderfully made. Ecclesiastes 11.8, be grateful for every year you live. Man, thank you, God, that I'm still breathing. Thank you that I'm still standing. Psalm 13.5, my heart is happy because you saved me. If we don't have one other thing to thank God for, we can thank him for Jesus and the fact that he saved our soul. Psalm 54, six, because God is good. Psalm 118, 21, I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. Psalm 16, seven, I praise the Lord that he guides me. Psalm 118, one, tell the Lord how thankful you are because he is kind and always merciful. He forgives me. And lastly, but certainly not least, Psalm 107, eight, because he will never stop loving us. And so here's what we're gonna do as we get ready to kind of head into a really important week. Can I encourage you in a culture that would try to say Christmas already came, you know? Can, can I just encourage you to just linger on this week of Thanksgiving in gratitude? Savor it, soak it in. Maybe even practice this with your family before you eat. Let's take a couple minutes here and let's just have a moment with God online. Let's do the same thing, TCI, same thing. And let's write down some of the things that we're thankful for and have a moment of thanksgiving and gratitude.
just trying to help you out. If your spouse is not on the, their list and they're sitting next to you, they should be on the list. I'll give you just another minute. Just another minute. Are you doing this online? Let's write what we're thankful for, who we're thankful for, what God has done in our life. God, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for how it's changed my life, for the people that I can look at in every congregation, every campus, and how they've shaped me and loved me and picked me up when I've fallen. It's been a friend to me. Lord, I thank you for my parents. I thank you for my brother and my sisters. I thank you for my beautiful wife and my beautiful kids. I thank you for the house and the roof over my head. I thank you that I have more than enough. I thank you that in the moments when there's less in my checking account, that my heart is still full because I have Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to see thank you in a whole new light. In Jesus' name. So while you're in that attitude of prayer, let's just stay there for just a moment longer. You heard me say that one of the things we can thank God for is saving us. We grew up in America, and so in America, one of the things we have to fight against is that Christianity is cultural at times. And so it's inherited from our parents. And sometimes we... We go to church because we don't have a choice and it can become mechanical. So one of the things we fight for at a church like this is just to help people to have a personal relationship with God. Some of you believe in God and you even believe in Jesus, but you've not made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And so if you can't remember a moment in your life, we like to say it this way, where you just let Jesus in the driver's seat, then may today be that day. Romans says it this way, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And today is the day of your salvation because we're not guaranteed another day. And so some of you, God's been tugging on your heart and you've sat through 15 messages and heard Pastor Joe give 15 altar calls and you haven't responded and today's your day. And you can walk out of here more thankful than ever. Some of you have been far from God and today's the day you're coming back to Jesus. And so heads bowed, eyes closed all over the room. I'm just gonna give this simple invitation to say, Jesus, I received the free gift of salvation. I'm all in with you and I won't be perfect, but I'm gonna take a step every day to follow you. And so if that's you and you wanna, if you wanna make that step, let's pray together. Can everyone, can you help me and uh, repeat this after me? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice that while I was dead in my sins, that he loved me and gave me his life. And so I receive the free gift of salvation. And every day from this point on, I won't be perfect, but I'm gonna follow you because I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. He's all that I need. And I receive his salvation. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just one moment more. Can I tell you the greatest thing I get to thank God for every week? We get an email from someone in our office every week that tells us how many people made a decision like this at every campus. 
And it is so fun to thank God. We throw a party. Some weeks I'll send the whole staff an email with a bunch of emojis and exclamation points. It, he, sometimes it's one person. It's like, man, that, that is the most incredible news. I thank God for it all week long. We've been seeing people make that decision all weekend. If that's you online, if it's you in Warren, I wanna give you an opportunity just to say, yes, I respond to that. I'm, I'm decided to follow Jesus. So if that's you, just raise your hand and wave it at me. You say, I decided to follow Jesus today and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I see that hand. If you raised your hand once, raise it again just so our host can put a Bible in your hand. That's all they wanna do. Over here in this, yeah, perfect. Do we see it? Yep, I see back there. Wave it nice and high. If you prayed that online, you can text BELIEVE to the number on the screen and we'll send you a Bible. We're so excited for you. All right, I'm gonna have one more invitation. If you've been running from God, you're already a Christian, but today you're saying, I'm coming back to him. Raise your hand nice and high. You say, this is the day. I'm responding. I'm thankful for what he's done for me and I'm ready to follow him. If you raised it once, raise it again. So excited for you. All right, church, you can look up. Listen, I'm so thankful for you guys. Can I ask you to do me a favor? And maybe we'll do this together as a church. Um, you know, I don't get to do this enough, but I'm so thankful for my parents. And um, I just think they're the best pastors in the world. They're my pastors. And on a weekend like this, they might even be watching. I wanna pray over them. And uh, if you could, anytime you think about them this week, if you could say a prayer for them in our family, we feel your prayers. And um, the last couple of years have been crazy and they've just been a rock and an anchor. And they've, they're more in love with Jesus than ever. Have you noticed that? Like they haven't wavered one bit. So let's pray for them. Lord, we thank you so much for my parents, for Pastor Joe and Gina, for how they've loved us and served us. And we thank you for just the amazing family tree that's come of people who have decided to follow you after their obedience. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them and strengthen them this week as they're not thinking about church for a change and they're just taking in and receiving. And we also lift up every staff member and every person that sacrifices and serves here. We just pray you would fill up their tank like never before. And we pray that as their heart is overflowing with thanksgiving this week, that you would bless them and encourage them, provide for them. And now I pray a prayer of blessing over every member of Believer's Church. Thank you for every person in this room, every person in Boardman, TCI, and online. And I pray that you would bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them. I thank you that their family is blessed and taken care of, that every need in their life is met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And may this be a week where we are overflowing and abounding in thankfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, at every campus, can we make like the loudest noise possible for all the people that decided to follow Jesus? Love you guys, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.